The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and an averagely warm welcome. Look, I like to think the warmth of my welcomes to The Bugle is at a consistently very high level. To issue 4,236 of The Bugle, the audio newspaper that has pledged to continue addressing the world and its various music glitcheries until everything is sorted out. That is in our unwritten constitution, the best kind of constitution, as all Brits know, as it gives you carte blanche to select bits as and when convenient and or make shit up as you go along. I'm Andy Zaltzman, recently voted least influential punk rock frontman of the 1980s, which I can't really argue with, to be honest. And joining me today, a cast of millions, sorry, two, strewn across South London like the debris of a poorly directed alien spaceship. I'm joined by Nish Kumar and for the first time in a long time, Chris Addison. Uh, hello to both of you. Hello. Hello, Nish. Hello, Chris. Hello, Bugles. Um, it's been ages. It's been absolutely ages since I was on, but I've been busy in my shed uh, working up a new range of Bugle merch because I feel like t- T-shirt is something everybody does and face masks are very 2020 now because they're pretty much over, aren't they? They were fashionable on public transport for a while, but they've been supplanted by that new trend of coughing and looking guilty. So uh, I've got a couple of Bugle merch pitches right, for you. Okay, How really- about... Yeah. Bath Zolts, uh, a relaxing bath time accessory that gives your tub a distinct aroma of bullshit and as an added bonus, absolutely clogs your plug hole with ginger pubes. Uh, I've got uh, Zoltz and Pepper, uh, an right. ill-advised rap album by Andy Zoltzman and 1990s female American golf champion Dottie Pepper. Uh, <laughs> tracks there include Baby Got Backswing, uh, a cover of the Beastie Boys Hold It Now Hit It Indac Clubs and 99 Iron Problems uh, and, uh, and my final merch pitch Andy, and the one that I think will get the most traction is Full Frontal A Zoltz the upsetting nude calendar nobody asked for right. <laughs> so I've not wasted my time okay, well, that's, in between that's podcasts good. that's good to know that's good to know that will be as available as all other Bugle merch very soon <laughs> very um, soon yeah. <laughs> Do you mean we'll be selling it at a gig in five years' time, Andy? Speaking proudly from his notebook from, I believe, the 2013 range that I got oh, on no, a that's live way show. later than that. Way later than that. <laughs> I literally... Chris gave me one of those two months ago. That's, uh, <laughs> that's how many of those are still around. <laughs> um, Nish, have you got any, uh, any you know, additions to the, to the merch range you'd like to chuck into the mix at this point? I've suggested it before. I'll say it again. Bugle branded thongs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can sort of use the face masks as that repurpose them. Yeah, yeah. Zoltzman on one ball. R.I.P. John Oliver on the other. <laughs> uh, hello, Chris. Hello, Andy. Hello, Chris. And hello, Buglers. It's f***ing hot. Okay? It's f***ing hot. I am sweating from the tits. That's how hot it is. It's hot. It's hot enough that I am sweating from the tits. And you've got eight tits. I've got eight tits. I've got three like that lady in Total Recall. (laughs) It's going to be very difficult for Greta Thunberg to not scream, I told you so, as we all float to our demise as a species. Because it shouldn't be. It's getting near 40 degrees in the United Kingdom. I don't know how much clearer we could make it to people that the climate crisis is happening now and is not some sort of abstract idea that we can think about further down the road Uh, at this point i think it will only take i basically st paul's cathedral is going to have to spontaneously burst into flames before (laughs) anyone starts taking it seriously and somehow conservative newspapers will still blame immigrants and transgender people <laughs> well they are they're, they're, i mean they're very dry and brittle aren't they immigrants and transgender people just takes a spark and they go up 
and obviously they brought the wrath of God upon this land. So you know, join the dots. You would think that God would not hit his own cathedral, though. I mean, that's just a bad aim, isn't it? <laughs> there are a lot of self-hating deities knocking around. <laughs> um, that was your wrestling name, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, we are recording on the fifteenth of July, twenty twenty-two. On this day in thirteen eighty-one. John Ball was hanged, drawn and quartered for his part in the Peasants' Revolt. Um, I'm so sorry. I just was laughing at the name John Ball. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very very sorry, but I'm afraid if you open with Dennis Nutsack, you have to... You're going to have to expect me to laugh at it, whether or not Dennis Nutsack has been cut into four pieces. Well, Dennis Nutsack was also um, executed for his part in a a similar People's Rebellion (laughs) in in the... um, uh, 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 Prague, uh, I think Prague in the fifteenth century. Um, was it pronounced Nutsatch? I forget. But anyway, uh, John Ball in thirteen eighty one was uh, was hanged, drawn, and quartered. Um, and in one of the great sexist executions, because whilst hanging, drawing, and quartering uh, was used on men for apparently reasons of public decency, women convicted of high treason were only burned at the stake. But why is it women have got all the breaks throughout history? Uh, we will be discussing this on future programmes. Um, in 1834, on this day, the 15th of July, the world's longest-running quiz show finally ended uh, after a, a run of 356 years. That was the Spanish Inquisition, uh, the forerunner of uh, popular quizzes today, such as Jeopardy, Mastermind, and uh, what the fuck is that? It was officially disbanded on this day um, 188 uh, years ago. Amazingly enduring. Uh, for a show with so few winners, but, uh, but there you go. And actually, you know, it could be due a reboot, I think. It might do quite well in today's TV quiz stroke game show landscape, long and drawn-out questions, voyeuristic, almost sadistic focus on the suffering of the contestants, judgmental, repetitive and almost cultish. I think it would fit uh, fit right in. As always, a section of the Bugle is going straight in the bin. And, well, picking up on what Nish said, uh, we have a special How to Stay Cool in the Heat section uh, for people in (coughs) Britain and other uh, currently um, toasty parts of the world. Now, apart from the obvious, uh, sleeping on a bed of frozen fish fingers, which also gives you a lovely uh, breakfast when you wake up, uh, or replacing your brick walls with igloo (coughs) walls, which is a bit short-term and could get you into trouble with landlords if you live in a block of flats, Um, we suggest you hold a 17th-century-themed party uh, the so-called Little Ice Age brought frozen seas and rivers to much of Europe. Yeah, but you do really have to get into character. Um, for example, if you live in London, just act like the Thames is frozen. Um, do not actually try to walk across the Thames, but get yourself in that psychological space. Uh, also, to stay cool in the heat, feel sombre. Metaphorically, being under a bit of a cloud can reduce metaphorical temperatures by, let's say, 15 degrees Celsius. <laughs> and as we live increasingly in a metaphorical world, that's a real terms coolage of, like, I don't know, 17 degrees. Um, interestingly, the sombrero hat was designed to make the wearer feel more sombre by being unable to see the beautiful blue skies above uh, with their inherent inherent message of hope and light. The problem was whilst uh, they made the wearer more sombre, the sombrero, of course, richly entertains anyone who sees someone else in a sombrero, cancelling out out its overall effect. Um, Also, to keep cool, try to keep things in perspective. Whilst temperatures may, as they said, hit 40 degrees in the UK, which I think if I remember my scriptures correctly from my time as a multi-denominational priest on the freelance religion circuit, uh, is a sign either that you are a member of a species unable and unwilling to heed warnings to safeguard its long-term future, or 
that your government is uh, deeply rotten car driving competence. I forget which. Uh, but anyway, remember, let's get it in perspective. On Venus, it's in the mid-450s right now, and it could have been worse, especially if you were being burned at the stake or hit by an asteroid. And also, the hotter the world gets, the less fuel we need to heat ourselves, thus reducing carbon emissions and solving climate change. So we are, in many ways, on the right path. That section in the bin. You know, we really focus a lot on how terrible you are at knowing your own Jewish faith, Andrew. But I think what we focus not enough energy on is that you're shit at all religions. <laughs> That's a sort of ecumenicalism, though, isn't it? Well, you say I'm really that. bad at all of them. I you... show them equal attention. You're antagonistic. You, you, you say that, Nish, <laughs> but... You, you say that, Nish, but you clearly were not on Streatham Common last weekend when I sacrificed a hundred head of oxen to Zeus. Um, I think I did it. <laughs> I think I did it extremely efficiently. Um, I forgot about your well-documented love of Zeus. <laughs> <laughs> Top story this week. Uh, Sri Lanka news, and well, if there's one hot fashion trend this year, it's not the return of the floral pantaloon, or the diaphanous cassock, or the glockenspiel hat. It's the resigning national leader. Uh, last week, we reported exclusively on Boris Johnson's non-tearful collision with the immovable bulwark of his own infinite shitness. And more <laughs> on that unedifying race to step into his rotting shoes later. Uh, this week... Uh, we've seen the Prime Minister of Italy, Mario Draghi, trying to resign after the collapse of his coalition government, but having the President of Italy refusing to accept his resignation, saying, well, everyone, please stop f***ing resigning. Um, <laughs> and in Sri Lanka, uh, President Ra uh, Rajapaksa has suffered the indignity of the people of Sri Lanka taking a dip in his own private swimming pool, an embarrassment so scarring that he had no choice but to flee the country in disgrace and then uh, resign. Um, I mean, in many ways, it's a classic, uh, a classic tale, isn't it? Uh, got to by Rajapaksa's, uh, Rajapaksa's downfall, uh, allegations of spectacular levels of corruption, uh, intimidation, cronyism, parasitism, power grabbing, large scale political and economic mismanagement, crackdowns on dissenting voices, <laughs> playing on deep seated social and <laughs> ethnic divisions. When will someone burn copies of that playbook? But really, it comes down to the fact that. Everyone took a dip in his private swimming pool. And there's no recovering from that, is there? There is no recovering from that as a leader. They didn't just take a dip in his swimming pool. They petted his animals. <laughs> they pet they pet this I think this has to be the most adorable coup in human history. <laughs> <laughs> it's in that is a that is not a very hotly contested topic, <laughs> I think that. There is a, there is a, it's like you say Bolt Sprint Records. There is a huge jump off from first <laughs> place to second place. It, they, they swam in his pool. They petted his dogs. Several of the children, because there were children involved. That's how wholesome yeah. this coup was. It was like a family day out to Thorpe Park. It was unbelievable. <laughs> they petted his dogs and several of the children played his piano. It's an utterly, utterly charming coup. And yet somehow, even all the more damning for it, having your children play someone's piano is like mafia levels of intimidation. <laughs> I, I quite liked that, that, that people were just... That there was a woman who was being interviewed who brought her kids to the capital for the day, <laughs> specifically for the revolution. That's really good parenting. I just want them to have these experiences while they're young. So we're going to overthrow the government and then we're going to go to the aquarium. It's <laughs> superb. It, it, it is in almost every extent the polar opposite of the January the 6th riots in America. Yeah. It is the absolute polar opposite. It it really is 
It really is very wholesome. Nobody was rubbing shit on the walls or taking cable ties in to tie up democratically elected representatives. This was a good old-fashioned, corrupt, dick, borderline dictator being removed from office and then everyone having a nice swim. <laughs> I, I, I sort of feel like we would never be able to do that sort of thing in this in this country because those coups dicker flare up there are. <laughs> well, you see, you say that in this, but I, I think it's the, I think it, the problem for us is the palace. We would never get very far invading a palace. They just have to put up a red rope strung between two brass stanchions and we go, we can't go past that. <laughs> That's it. And it's, it's too easy for the police to trap people in there because the only way out is through the gift shop. That is why it has never really happened in this country. Not since, you know, that time. <laughs> Not since Cromwell got the hump. Not since Cromwell got the hump. Um. The uh, Prime Minister, Ranil Wickremesinghe, is uh, now, uh, following uh, Rajapaksa's resignation, the acting president. Um, <laughs> he was in his sixth stint as Prime Minister, which is quite a lot of stints, as, as I shouldn't say that at this point in Boris Johnson's political career. He might see that as a, uh, as a goal. Um, uh, uh, but he's also facing calls for his resignation, and indeed protesters uh, set fire to his house, um, which was... Um, <laughs> Not a good sign if you are then becoming acting acting president. A new president is due to be uh, to be uh, elected elected soon. I mean, it's uh, it all came as a result of a sort of huge economic crisis. Uh, you know, inflation, power cuts, healthcare collapsing due to uh, lack of medicines, transport systems uh, failing, fuel sales uh, restricted. I mean, in, in in some ways, you might see it as looking into the future, uh, depending on where in the world uh, you are. But um. It was a very kind of broadly a, a kind of tragic story of a of a of a country that has so much going for it, and uh, apart from the people who've been in charge, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think we saw also was the classic fleeing of a bad leader because Rajapaksa went to the Maldives and then Singapore this week, but it's not thought to be his final destination, Andy. So where might he go? I've put together a little guide <laughs> uh, to some favourite haunts you'll find in the search histories of ex tyrants. Been deposed, got beef. Then why not come to Argentina? You'll fit right in. <laughs> World champion handball-playing nation and noted geopolitical grudge holder Argentina is a fabulous choice for any despot fleeing from a baying mob with nothing more than the clothes they stand up in and a private plane filled with half the National Reserve. Extradition treaty? They don't even have a regular edition treaty, let alone an extra one. Fun activities include spot the kindly old German gentleman before the kidnap squad from Mossad does, having a T-bone steak-induced myocardial infarction, and why not join in the traditional Argentinian pastime of staring furiously towards the Falkland Islands, or as they're known in Argentina, the Falkland Islands. <laughs> Dubai. <laughs> Dubai. Oh. Whether it's British expats in spite who, in spite of being in the middle of Arabia, will only buy hummus from the M&S food shop that you're after, or a sandy vagina. Air conditioning capital of the known world, Dubai is the place for you. You practically can't walk down the street here without bumping into someone who's been chased out of their own country, so you'll always have plenty to talk about. Whether it's former <laughs> Afghan president Ashraf Ghani, or the sometime king of Spain, Juan Carlos, or just some ex-city trader from Chelsea who retired at 40 and now spends his life drinking from noon and wanking himself to sleep. <laughs> Dubai is absolutely lousy with people who regret their life choices in extreme but entirely tasteless luxury. Fun activities include dune surfing, thinking that having a really tall building is important, and not talking about ongoing human rights abuses. <laughs> La belle France. Zut alors, les Français adorent le dictateur. That's right, as surprising as it may seem, the home of liberté and égalité has often extended the hand of 
fraternité to the kind of people who just a few short centuries previously they'd have been persuading to have a closer look at the fabulous new head removing device they just invented. <laughs> France has played host to so many ex-despots that at one point in the early 21st century an estimated 5% of the population were former African dictators. What draws them there? Perhaps it's the weather, perhaps it's the food, or perhaps it's just one of the few places in the world where you don't have to explain how to spell coup d'etat. Fun activities include using gold bullion to mitigate highly ingrained institutionalised racism, booing during the Bastille Day Parade, and trying to make girls think you're interesting by smoking gulois. And finally, what's got 120 million thumbs, a queen the size of Paddington Bear, and an unquenchable thirst for dirty money? Us guys! That's right. Have you screwed a starving population out of what was rightfully theirs? Then Knightsbridge is the place for you. You don't have to be a dodgily elected ex-leader of a country to be welcomed here with open arms, just so long as you've got a boat big enough to land a helicopter on and a brolly. Fun activities include owning football teams, owning newspapers and owning the Tory party. <laughs> well, we could roll out the full Pinochet package for you. Yeah. <laughs> we, we got game. <laughs> the Rajapaksas, as a family, uh, have, in true South Asian fashion, dominated politics uh, with a firm hand filled with dodgy money. Uh, since uh, <laughs> Sri Lanka gained independence in 1948, they sort of, for two of the decades since 1948, they've controlled the government. And the most recent Rajapaksa, Gautabaya, the man who has uh, fled in search of a better life for himself and his money, uh, <laughs> has, has been ruling with, I mean... A really, really unpleasant streak. Uh, when he was Defence Secretary during his brother Mahinda's presidency, he oversaw the defeat of the Tamil Tigers and an estimated 40,000 uh, Tamils died. And Human Rights Watch has alleged that he's been involved in war crimes and he saw sharp deterioration uh, in human rights. Possibly not a surprise, given that his own family's nickname for him was The Terminator. Oh! <laughs> I mean, and to be clear... They Wait, did not, from what age? Yeah, they did not stipulate from two onwards when he was a nice guy. They just very much left it at Terminator, and I think we have to assume that it was not a compliment. Uh, his uh, family were in positions uh, of power all, all through Sri the Sri Lankan government. Uh, his brother uh, most recently resigned as the finance minister in April uh, amidst, as we discussed, a historic cost of living crisis that's really punished the population of the country. His brother's name... Basil Rajapaksa. Basil! <laughs> Basil! Is there a rogue member of the Rajapaksa family that's a huge fan of the sitcom Faulty Towers? What the f is going on? Basil Rajapaksa? Basil and Sybil Rajapaksa. <laughs> <laughs> That would be amazing. That would be an amazing sitcom as well. Definitely, whatever amazing. the f*** you do, don't mention the war, for Christ's sake. It's, uh, it's absolutely staggering, because he, because Gautabaya Rajapaksa has just, this has been going on, I mean, as you said, Andy, this has been going on for years, but these protests have been going on, going on since April. And and it's that classic sort of uh, about-to-be-deposed leader of nothing to do with me. It's fine. It's, it's all fine. It's like before they leave, they have to go through the five stages of grief. But except for them, it's denial, denial, denial. Denial, call in the army, flee to the Maldives. <laughs> Absolutely staggering. And did you see the the video footage of it? It's just, it, I mean, it's extraordinary. Because obviously, you know, at first you sort of looking at it and you think, well, this is like a standard mob <laughs> trying to get into, you know, a, a government building. Yeah, anger is built. They're on the roofs and all that. And then you go, wait a minute, there's, there's Buddhist monks there. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you've got... 
if you have put this up if you've managed to make men who've devoted their entire lives to peaceful peaceful self-abnegation go freedom and storm <laughs> the barricades with a shiv fashioned out of a prayer bell on balance you've probably lost the goodwill of the people um, as we record uh, a couple of hours ago uh, Rajapaksa did officially quit he hadn't actually officially quit despite the fact that he'd fled the country to the Maldives. <laughs> uh, he hadn't actually quit. Anyway, he's now arrived in Singapore and he has uh, officially quit and started the process uh, for the country to begin electing a new president. Um, Ranil Wickramasinghe is the acting president uh, and he could be uh, elected leader by the parliament within a month. And just to be clear, Ranil Wickramasinghe has been a crucial ally to Rajapaksa. So all I'm saying is, in two months' time, Get the trunks out and have the kids tinkling the ivories because we could be back to our old friend, Square F***ing One. Uh, there were some amazing scenes, actually. There was, uh. The Australian cricket team's been in Sri Lanka. They played two test matches in Gaul. And uh, the cricket ground in Gaul is overlooked by uh, an old fort. Uh, I think it's like a 17th century fort. And on the, the fort, there was huge, often people gather on the fort to watch the cricket. Uh, uh, but this time there was a huge gathering on the fort of people protesting against the government whilst the <laughs> test match was, was going on. Oh my um, god, Andy, all your interests <laughs> well, <laughs> exactly. were mashed together in one moment. But, but you know, test cricket has been struggling for crowds in, in many parts of the, the cricket playing world. Maybe this is all it needs. All yeah. it needs is decades of a country being ruined ruined by its own corrupt politicians and that will get the crowds flooding back to watch the test game we could be about to see a huge boon in cricket in russia <laughs> this does sound like an article that you absolutely would read in the cricketer <laughs> the role cricket has played in overthrowing governments throughout yeah. the century yeah well you know just as a plan to get people back that's all it's just an increasingly a series of increasingly desperate articles on how we get people back into cricket i genuinely wouldn't be surprised to see this written by hugh turberville in the cricketer <laughs> Britain's next Prime Minister news now, and well, following the sort of uh, resignation of Boris Johnson uh, last week, <laughs> um, Britain is once again uh, involved in its uh, heroic efforts to confirm its place at the top of the stupidest f***ing ways to elect a Prime Minister uh, rankings. Um, we have uh, left the, the position of the most powerful politician uh, of the country once again in the hands of a few hundred Conservative MPs and then a couple of hundred thousand Conservative Party members. That's very kind of them uh, to make this decision uh, for us. For the third <laughs> Prime Minister in a row, um, uh, and uh, we're in the middle of the, the race to, to, to whittle down the initial um, it was eight, wasn't it, at the start, down to the final two that the Conservative members uh, yeah. will will vote on. That's, so each that, that, that phase is done by the Conservative uh, MPs. Um, amongst the front runners, uh, Rishi Sunak, the former Chancellor of the Exchequer, whose uh, resignation prompted uh, Johnson's downfall. And if you're any doubt as to where the well-being of the country lies in Conservative Party philosophy, then you just need to listen to interviews such as the one Rishi Sunak did on the flagship Today programme on Radio 4 the other day. And count the number of times he said something along on the lines of, I'm the best person to help this country through this difficult period in our history, compared with the number of times he said, I'm the best person to defeat Keir Starmer in a general election. 
and I think it was about naught to 25. Um, basically, any question he responded to, you know, why should people trust you? I'm the best person to beat Keir Starmer in a general election. What will you do about Northern Ireland? I'm the best person to beat Keir Starmer in a general election. How come you set up your leadership campaign website six months ago, and why didn't you resign then? I'm the best person to beat Keir Starmer in a general election. How many parrots does it take to change a light bulb? I'm the best person to beat Keir Starmer in a general election. This is all the Conservative Party now is, it seems. Just, it exists purely for the purpose of winning elections and nothing else, N- nothing else, and regardless of the consequences. Uh, how have you enjoyed the uh, the race? Uh, <laughs> can we call it a race? I don't disc disc the disc race uh, so far. Well, it's uh, you look at the options ahead of you, and it is as unappealing as the menu at an all feces restaurant. <laughs> These... <laughs> It is a, it is an astro, it is a, it's an astro pub. It's absolutely disgusting. Uh, they're all these people are not just c-ts. it's their fucking They are weapons grade c-ts. and when I say weapons grade, I don't mean a pea shooter or a, a small butter knife. I mean nuclear bomb civilization felling weapons grade. Uh, the options laid in front of us are Kemi Badenoch, Penny Morden, Rishi Sunak, Liz Truss and uh, Tom Tugendhat, and they're all okay? (laughs) And it's amazing to me that every interview with any of these people doesn't begin with, you served under Boris Johnson, are you a moron or a or both? (laughs) It's a fair question. Um, What I found sort of eerily fascinating about it is the extent to which uh, Brexit remains the yeah. de- defining factor. I mean, it's still at heart a Brexitacious party. It still seems to be fighting the imaginary squabbles of the last uh, decade and saying, oh, we must have a Brexiter as Prime Minister, which to me, in this week of the open golf, is like a, a golfer having taken a driver off the tee and hits the ball directly into a kebab van. Um <laughs> Then thinking, well, I have to use the driver to get it out of the kebab van because that was the right club when I took when I drove off the tee. Then smashing it via several other kebab vans and an ice cream van and some <laughs> slightly alarmed spectators onto the green, and then just smashing it back to the tee with the same driver, saying, "No, I'm I'm not cha- I am not changing. I will not play the ball as it lay." It's still very. I don't know what the, the it's a Brexitable party. I think that's the uh, that's the technical technical term. And this this still seems to shape. How our prime minister is going to be? Changed. It is baffling, baffling. To yeah. Me. Well, the only things that they're really talking about are that and woke issues, which very few people are actually really that interested in, uh, uh, and, and and taxes. That's it. And almost most of the candidates are pitching that they're going to abolish tax. Basically, obviously, <laughs> you know, they all acknowledge there has to be some way to fund the various important activities of the state, like sending an aircraft carrier out every time they see a dinghy full of migrants and leveling the north. Sorry, leveling up the north. No, so I do mean leveling the north. So. What, so what are their, their ideas for raising revenue? What are their ideas for raising revenue without taxes? Tom Tugendhat is promising a countrywide swear box to be activated <laughs> ju- during Prime Minister's question time and national Ooh, sporting events. Liz Truss says she will be sending all Treasury civil servants door-to-door around the country selling Lucky Heather and clothes pegs. Kemi Badenoch uh, has suggested that, and I quote, something will turn up. <laughs> Rishi Sunak doesn't believe in cutting taxes at this point, and his plan for dealing with the cost of living crisis is to make everyone as small as him and therefore need to buy less food to survive on. And Penny Mordaunt 
doesn't exist. I refuse to believe in Penny Mordaunt. There is absolutely no record of her existing before 2010. I am convinced that she was built in a subterranean lab deep beneath YouGov. That said, I do find listening to her that I agree with a lot of what she says because a lot of what she says is that the other candidates will be terrible prime ministers. Uh, she managed to shoehorn the Falklands War uh, of 1982 into she, her campaign launch. When she would have was, been 10? 10? Well, she said, I think it was yeah, what set her off on a, uh, onto her, uh, albeit fictitious uh, life, um, into a career in, uh, in politics. But I mean, that was, that was an impressive, impressive effort to, to, to appeal to the, the Tory heartlands. But she is viewed as being a little bit too woke on gender issues by um, various <laughs> of, the, of, the, of the newspapers. Um and it was slightly alarming to think that this is an issue for the you know, the Tory membership who, who are deciding on our new Prime Minister. The fact that our Prime Minister may be chosen in part by people who are prepared to think, well, what's the point of having a functioning economy anyway if a small number of people I don't know don't use the pronouns I think they should use were I to ever meet them? That's, <laughs> that's, that to me is not reassuring. And whoever fa- wins or fails to lose the Tory leadership scrabble, they'll be the thir- UK's 35th Prime Minister since 1834. Now, I'm going to uh, put you a, a, a little quiz question here. Mm-hmm. How many of those 35 prime ministers have come to office for the first time when they first become prime minister as a result of winning a majority at a general election? Out of 35 of them since 1834. Any guesses? Five. You're close. Is it six? It's six. It is Flipping six. Flipping cri- <laughs> crikey. Six. Flipping uh, crikey. Gladstone, Attlee, Wilson, Heath, Thatcher and Blair are the only ones who won a majority at a general election to become Prime Minister for the first time. Ramsay MacDonald and David Cameron came in in a coalition um, and um, the other 26 took took over whilst due to a sort of collapse in government or a change of of leadership, including that this will now be the third... Uh, Tory putsch in a row that, that has inflicted the an weird, unelected prime minister on us. But they don't even seem to be. There doesn't seem to be any enthusiasm. Do you not think? Like, there's a lot of sense that Tory MPs don't really like any of the candidates, and each round they're just trying to block the one that they like the least. To which I say, "Welcome to our world, fuckos." <laughs> the whole, the whole contest is basically like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory without Charlie. It doesn't matter. What order of rooms Willy Wonka takes him to, he's still going to end up having to give the factory to a <laughs> <laughs> It's it, the, the war on woke is a pretty key theme. Uh, and so far, uh, none of them have actually produced any kind of uh, specific costed plans uh, for how to deal with the cost of living crisis. But all of them have yeah. been engaged in rampant transphobia. And, you know, it's, it's very hard to not self-immolate at the moment as a British person. <laughs> it's very hard to not work out how this country has any meaningful future in front of it. And also, uh, as a uh, British person uh, who is uh, famously of uh, an ethnic minority, it is pretty nauseating uh, to be told by uh, large sections of the media that I should in some way uh, be thrilled by the ethnic diversity uh, that is presented <laughs> to us. I-, I should be absolutely thrilled by the representation uh, of my people uh, at the high- highest level of government. Uh, it- it's-, it's very tricky when the candidates are absolutely from ethnic minority backgrounds and i'm sure that's evidence that things are certainly you know less racist in this country than when my mother first came here 50 years ago uh, but it is pretty hard to feel happy 
uh, that any of these people have attained any position, given that uh, all of them have enthusiastically signed up for policies that have made uh, the lives of people that look very similar to them unbelievably worse. These are all enthusiastic supporters of the plan to uh, ship refugees and asylum seekers off to Rwanda. Uh, these are all people that uh, have been enthusiastic supporters of austerity and there are various studies that show that people of colour in Britain have been disproportionately affected by austerity policies. These are all deeply unpleasant people and it's very difficult for me to muster any enthusiasm for any of them uh, as kind of rep as kind of figureheads of ethnic minority progress in Britain. That doesn't stop all of them from f***ing going on about it. For a group of people who claim to not like identity politics, it's been a tricky couple of weeks watching their campaign launches that all start with the same thing. My parents came to this country with nothing but the shirts on their back and millions of pounds that they had in their trouser pockets, which they were wearing. They worked hard to send me to some of the most elite private schools this country has ever produced. And now I sit here proudly ensuring as a politician that none of them would ever be able to come to this <laughs> These are all people who are acting out some psychodrama with their parents. They're all <laughs> power so that they can retrospectively deport them because they didn't give them enough pocket money in 1994. <laughs> That's so plausible. That explains absolutely everything. <laughs> you, can, you, can, it's, you can only you, you can only marvel at people that are working out psychodramas at the cost of nothing other than all of the people that live in this fucking <laughs> country. Uh, Penny Morden is, uh, despite not existing as alleged by Chris Addison, uh, Penny Morden uh, is the favourite amongst the party members who, as discussed, are the people who are actually going to uh, elect the prime minister. If you want to know uh, what Penny Mordaunt uh, is like, uh, in 2014, she said that she had delivered a speech in the House of Commons as an MP just before the Easter recess in 2013 on poultry welfare and used the word cock as a forfeit for a misdemeanour during naval reserve training. Anyway, that asshole might be our prime minister. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't say that that doesn't slightly endear her to <laughs> This is the problem with the British electorate. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, and I am absolutely the person who will, who is set up to reject <laughs> everything that she stands for. That's the, the exact problem, exact problem with the British electorate. It's, it's me. I'm so sorry. I can apologise. <laughs> also, not only the thing is, it's so easy to concentrate on the fact that they're terrible, terrible bastards, um, and, and sort of forget about the fact that they're all fucking thick. <laughs> that's you know they're genuinely stupid people the um tory leadership candidate and lgbt plus medical device les trust uh, couldn't, <laughs> couldn't find her way out of the room after launching her campaign on thursday she was did you see the video she yeah. finished she stood, got off the plinth and then wandered around hopelessly until one of her aides came and found her <laughs> and took her to the door you know that to put that in context that is the foreign secretary who couldn't find her way into the rest of Britain, let alone into anywhere <laughs> That's not falling at the first hurdle. That's slipping and slicing your scrotum open on the corner of a bench in the changing room. <laughs> people, we've all, we've all done it. She looked, she genuinely looked like one of those robot hoovers that was badly malfunctioning. <laughs> ah, yeah. Sports news now, and well, I mean, many people have have brought this story to our uh, attention, and uh, me as a professional level uh, cricket obsessive um, was very excited by this story. 
Four men in Gujarat in India have been arrested for staging, wait for this, a fake cricket tournament and accepting bets through a social media app from gamblers in Russia. Now, in many ways, this <laughs> is the absolute apotheosis of globalization and modern technology. I mean, it's really, when you, you trace the evolution of this story from the very dawn of human civilization, it seems almost inevitable. That's, and I would urge you all to watch the footage of this. It was reported in numerous news, news sites around, <laughs> around, around the internet. Um, that, so yeah, in 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 <laughs> they they made videos kind of to stream to Russia of the shittest imaginable cricket game. <laughs> Whilst it was being streamed, uh, they would then pass information to the fake umpire, fakely umpiring the fake cricket match with the fake cricketers, to make fake signals that would then. Uh, impact on the bets that are being placed in in russia it's really hard to overstate how shitly this scam was in terms of the quality of play imagine if you're a baseball fan for our american listeners baseball being played by five dolphins in a disused courtroom <laughs> or for our many synchronized swimming fans imagine a, a, a load of vatican cardinals doing synchronized swimming in their full vatican cardinal gear it's that kind of level of quality with and in terms of the authenticity of fakery Imagine if an art dealer offered you a genuine Da Vinci and then showed you a picture of Vanity Smurf put through an online filter to make it look like a painting. Or a, a tour guide pointing at a croissant in the window display of a bakery and claiming it's a relic of the True Cross and that the bakery is in fact a cathedral that miraculously sprang into existence when St. When St. Trevor of Las Vegas took a ship behind a hedge in the year 327 AD. That is the kind of <laughs> level we are talking But I think that in this, this is possibly the greatest news story of the millennium so far uh would you put it up there well i sort of feel like i think you're overplaying how bad it was but i think in, i mean I, I agree that in any other week i would be thinking you would never see a professional batting display that bad but i was at the oval on tuesday <laughs> uh, to watch india get out to in, uh, england get out to india for 110 so i i i mean i i was just nice to see some quality cricket <laughs> i this is you know what there's a lot there's a lot to like about this story oh yeah but what I particularly like is they scammed Russians. <laughs> Russians. Judy, so I don't know if you hear Russians. The the corruptest country. That is how this is. This is this is this is high time. It's high time that people were reminded that India is and always will be the gold standard for corruption and swindling. <laughs> and Russia has been getting away with too much for too long. And we had to remind everybody who was boss here <laughs> we're number one unbelievable i, I read the story i read the story uh the report in the times of india and online and uh because I, I only get it delivered to the house two days late but um uh <laughs> I, I watched and you know the comments underneath the story there's one comment underneath the story in the times of india and it was real entrepreneurs exclamation mark <laughs> 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 which i really liked I like I like how the whole thing basically is built around racism. It's like it, it's sort of it's like a judo racist move where the where the where the, the Indian uh, perpetrators of the scam have basically used Russia's racism against them. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. there are twenty one farm labourers who are pretending to be 
all of the different teams we just put on different tops. Yeah, 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 yeah. Knowing that the Russians would go, is that the same? Like, no, no idea, mate. No idea. <laughs> The allegation at the moment is they were all acting uh, under the uh, orders of one Russian-based mastermind. And you just think outsourcing has gone so far. It's unbelievable. If, even if you want to swindle your own people, the Russians do get the Indians to do it. We get the job done. But, and have you seen that there are, there's more than one league? Yeah. So there's like it's the same guys, but they've done it in different states. So there's like this one. This one was called what was it called? It was called the Century 2020 League. And then there's the Tamil Big Bash, which yeah. sounds like a very bad way of underplaying a civil war, but is in fact uh, uh, they've done the same thing down in in South India. It's absolutely extraordinary. Tamil Nadu, presumably, remarkable. They they found a picture of four people who were arrested uh, in connection with the fake tournament, and they've actually all posed for a photo that does not it, itself look dissimilar <laughs> to a cricket team. Posing <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'll be honest with you, the four guys look very somber, but you could see a little glint in their eye that it's like we're fucking legends. <laughs> <laughs> we're absolute fucking legends yeah. here. Done more to bring down Russia than than international <laughs> community. Did you see that that other the Sierra Leone one? Yes, uh, that's was, astonishing. So this was in 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 football. A couple of uh, well, I, I think we can say uh, questionable score lines described by one source as impractical score lines in the uh, Sierra Leone football competition. Gulf FC defeated the Coquima Lebanon team ninety-one-one. <laughs> But you know how football is, the manager will be saying, I was disappointed we didn't keep a clean sheet. And <laughs> Lumbenba United lost, uh, disappointingly, um, 95 nil to their big rivals, Kahula Rangers. And um, people just, you know, jumped on this and said, oh, this is, you know, terrible proof of uh, wrongdoing. But can we not just celebrate players finally clicking as a team? Which just, you know, it might just have been one of those days where everything just flowed. And they finally fulfilled their, their potential as size. But they have to be undermined by allegations that these were not authentic matches. The, the context of it makes it all so much more delicious. So these, so the Kuhnle Rangers and Gulf FC, who were the, who were the victorious teams in these, in these games, were going into, these were, this was the final set of games, final round of games uh, in the Super 10, I think it's called, in the, in the Sierra Leone Football League, to, to see who would uh, um, qualify for promotion to their Premier League. And it was which one of them was going to win it. And the great thing is that at half time, Kahuna Rangers were beating Lebembo United 2 0. And Gulf FC uh, were beating Kakima Lebanon 7 1. But at half time, they figured out that, that it was going to be about goal difference. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was after half time that the scores went up and up and up as they tried to get the most astonishing goal difference in football <laughs> history. It's amazing. And the general man manager of Lubembu is a guy called Mohammed Jansai Jallo said, this is a quote, direct quote from him. And I love this. I'll never be part of match fixing. I'm calling on the football authorities to investigate both matches and bring to book anyone found wanting. And if nobody is found guilty of any crime, then so be it. (laughs) 
Well, that brings us to the end of this week's uh, this week's bugle. Uh, we will be back uh, next week with the uh, latest in the uh, gradual death of uh, humanity as a species. Um, uh, anything to plug to our listeners? Yeah, I'm just uh, frantically googling my own name, Chris. Uh, do you want to <laughs> plug? Some okay, stuff? I'll, I'll go. I'll go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? Um, yes, I, I have. As it happens, uh, the third series of Breeders, which is the show that I make with um, uh, Simon Blackwell, Martin Freeman, and Daisy Haggard, uh, that is available to stream right now on Sky Comedy. All ten episodes, and um, it, or it's going out on Tuesday nights. Uh, on a Sky Showcase, if you like to watch things old school, can you get that internationally or just? You can get it internationally. American listeners can um, if, who can see it on uh, Hulu. It's streaming on Hulu, and uh, it'll be in your local market super soon. Google it. That's that's the only information I can give you. <laughs> uh, if you live in Montreal on the twenty eighth and thirtieth of July. I will be doing uh, my tour show as part of the uh, Just for Laughs Festival, 28th and 30th of July. Oh. What am I doing on the 29th? Eating I'm poutine. Obs- Dying obs- of poutine. Yeah, yeah. I'll, be, I'll be filling myself with chips and cheese curd. <laughs> oh, that's the greatest dish. Actually, more likely, it's, I'll be at Bustan, which is an unbelievable shawarma place right in the middle of Montreal. <laughs> Phenomenal. Um. And don't forget to buy your tickets to the Bugle 15th anniversary live shows, which are coming up uh, later in the year, October and November, in, uh, from memory, Birmingham, Dublin, Glasgow, and London. The oh, uh, dates somewhere online. I'll put them on my website <laughs> wow. at some point in the nearest future. Other. Have you put them up there already? Like about three weeks ago, Andy. Oh, well done, sure. Chris. Well done, mate. That's terrific news. Totally. Also, I'm doing a few more Saturdays for High shows in the middle of November. Um, but they're not. They're online in various places, but not my website hasn't been updated. Yeah, Andy, currently your website is advertising live dates from May 2022. That's all right. That's, that's relatively recent. That's And I have to say, I was pleasantly surprised to see yeah. it. <laughs> I thought I it mean, was going to be announcing your debut Edinburgh run. <laughs> Yeah, you should bring back the Dog of Doom. Yeah, someday. Someday. Tw- to 21 years. 21 years ago. 21 years. Probably dead now, that dog. I don't know what happened to the other guy that was in it. Um, anyway, Buglers, thank you very much for listening. Uh, don't forget, you can join the Bugle Voluntary Subscription Scheme. Go to thebuglepodcast.com and click the donate button to give a one-off or recurring contribution to keep the show free, free, flourishing and independent. And the Bugle Wall of Honour will be launched in the extremely near future. Maybe next week. Let, let's say next week we will launch the Wall of Honour. It, it's on tape now. <laughs> <laughs> we record this on tape. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you you, you must be so excited. Listen now. <laughs>